Hey, everybody. Uh, last time we read, we read chapters 62 through 65, uh, and we didn't have any of the pirates in this portion. It was just between Peter, basically, and uh, Slank and Little Richard. So chapter 62 was called Peter's Decision. Um, he decides, so he takes a different way than Molly and the boys, a faster way over the land, and he decides to go down to the beach himself. And when he's down at the beach, he meets someone new. But before that, in chapter 63, gone again, um, little Richard and Slank had been kind of fighting the mermaids, and they had lost the trunk again. Chapter 64 was called He Surely Will. Um, that's when Peter goes down to the beach. He finds the mermaid called Teacher uh, really hurt and bleeding. And he saves her by using some of the star stuff from the locket to save her. And at that point, uh, Peter sees the trunk and so do the Mermaids, they find it kind of up on the shore. And Slank and Little Richard have found it too, though. And Little Richard hits Peter on the head. And he gets knocked out. And they leave him there with the mermaids. The last chapter we read was chapter 65, a short one called He's Gone Ahead. And that's just about Molly's, uh, Molly and the boys. They're going the other way, and she's just kind of thinking about Peter and hoping he has waited for them, which he has obviously not. Chapter 66 is called The Dream. So this is about Peter again. Peter had never kissed a girl. He had never kissed anybody, at least not technically. Not that he remembered. He did have a memory, dim and dreamlike, of being kissed, but that was by a grown-up, a lady, when he recalled this memory, which he sometimes did as he was falling off to sleep, he thought that perhaps the lady might have been his mother. He tried to see her face, but the memory wouldn't allow it. It felt more like a shadow, old and faded by the light. But he had never kissed a girl. He'd read of it, this girl kissing. He had heard the older boys at St. Norbert's snicker about it. For most of his life, Peter had not understood why anyone, girl or boy, would want to do such an unappetizing thing as put their mouth together with someone else's. Lately, though, since he'd met Molly, the idea seemed less and less repulsive and more and more intriguing. But still, he had never done it, had never come close. So he was sure that he was dreaming now, in this strange and unreal moment, in this weightless, watery tumble, in this swirl of light, in this burble of strange noises. He must be dreaming, because he was in the arms of a girl, a very beautiful girl, with blonde hair and green eyes. Molly has green eyes. And this beautiful girl was holding him, and her mouth was touching his mouth, and the strangest thing, her breath was becoming Peter's breath. The strangest thing. A dream, certainly. But it was a pleasant dream, and Peter decided the best thing to do was simply let go, and enjoy it. Chapter 67. As if he knows something. Slank looked back at little Richard, expecting to see him complaining under the weight of the trunk. Instead, the big man had a wide grin on his face, and his strides were enormous, six or eight feet at a step, as if... Are you all right? Slank said. 
Never better, said little Richard, taking a step that easily carried him fifteen feet, before he drifted to a gentle landing. That did it. Slank, trotting alongside, grabbed little Richard's shirt to prevent him from flying away. With the contact, Slank's arm immediately felt warm, a little ticklish. I'm fine, really, little Richard said. Perfect. I can see that. I could start singing. No, you don't, Slank hissed. Little Richard hummed instead, the smile never leaving his face. Slank thought about carrying the trunk himself, but feared that he, too, would fall under its spell and be unable to think clearly. So instead he acted as little Richard's ba ballast, holding the big man down as though he were a human balloon. The two of them bounced and drifted along the beach until, to Slank's relief, they reached the longboat. Put it down, said Slank. Little Richard, his feet, his feet were a foot off the ground now, gave Slank a hurt puppy look. But why? he asked. Why would I want to do that? Put it down now, Slank ordered. Little Richard reluctantly obeyed, gently setting the trunk onto the sand. He looked at it wistfully. Now what? he said. Now, said Slank, sloshing around in the shallow water, we find a rock. Here, this one will do. Grunting, he hefted the rock and waded ashore. What are you going to do? said Little Richard. Open the trunk, said Slank. Good, said Little Richard. I'm not opening it so you can amuse yourself, snapped Slank. I'm opening it so we can get this boat floating again and get back to the ship without being swamped by them she-devils. You are not to touch the contents, you understand? Yes, said little Richard, a hurt puppy again. Ignoring the trunk's formidably padlocked clasp, Slank focused his efforts on the two old iron hinges. He smashed the rock down on the first. It cracked easily, and on the second blow fell off completely. He turned to the second hinge, and on the first blow it nearly came free, a puff of golden powder shooting from the widening lid crack and landing on the sand at Slank's feet. One more blow should do it. Slank had raised the rock when he heard the bellow of surprise from little Richard. He whirled just in time to see a wooden club coming straight for his head. He dodged it, diving to the sand, rolling and jumping up. Pirates. Two of them had jumped little Richard from behind, but two men were no match for him. He rocked forward and easily tossed them head over heels onto the sand. Slank had his dagger out now, its blade flashing in the moonlight, but before he could use it he felt the sharp point of a sword pressing into the back of his neck, felt a trickle of his blood. Drop it or die, said Black Stash. Slank let the dagger fall. Now, tell your friend to stop fighting, said Stash, nodding toward Little Richard, who was currently getting the best of three pirates. Little Richard, Slank called out. That's enough. The huge man, as always, obeyed. Tie them up, said Stash. Use the line from the longboat. In a minute, Stash's men had Slank and Little Richard lying on the beach, arms and legs firmly bound behind their backs. You ain't going to kill em, Cap'n, said Smee. No need for us to do it with the tide coming in, said Stash nodding toward a finger of hissing surf, just now touching Slank's ankles. I like the idea of them having to think about it a while. And if the sea don't get them, there's that big old croc somewhere's about, and them savages. He smiled unpleasantly down at Slank, savoring his triumph for another moment, then turned to his men and barked. Put the trunk in the longboat. The men hesitated. Well, said Stash, 
"'Beggin' your pardon, Cap'n,' said Smee. "'But some of us are thinking this here boat is bewitched, "'bein' as how it was flyin' and all. "'One of the men seen the dory just down the beach there. "'It's swamped and there's a piece tore from the transom. "'But the oars are still in the oar locks and it'll float.' "'The dory's too small,' said Stash. "'True, this boat was flying, "'but that just shows you the power of the treasure we're taking home. "'We'll live as kings, men. Kings!' Now let's get our treasure back to the ship and get off this cursed island. The pirates, persuaded, hoisted the trunk into the longboat and hauled the boat into the water. As they shoved off, Stash cast a glance back at little Richard and Slank, lying bound in the sand. Slank again met his eyes, but this time, instead of looking angry, he almost looked amused. Why would that be? Stash wondered. Tide'll be in soon, Stash shouted. Remember to hold your breath. The pirates laughed and little Richard whimpered, but Slank remained annoyingly calm. I'll be fine, Mr. Stash, he called back, but I hope you can swim. It'll be you doing the swimming, sir, not I, Black Stash answered. The pirates laughed again, dutifully, but Stash was strangely troubled as the longboat with his men at the oars surged away from the beach where Slank lay still regarding him with that infuriating smirk. As if he knows something, thought Stash. But what could he know? After pondering this a moment more, Stash dismissed the thought of the two men on the beach and turned his attention forward in the direction of the Jolly Roger and, and escape from this island. He did not see the four fast-moving V's on the surface of the silver water heading straight for the longboat. Little Richard, straining mightily against his bonds, grunted, swore, grunted again, but despite his massive strength, he could not break the stout rope, nor unravel the knots, tied with sailor's skill. Feeling the water lapping at his feet, he whimpered and tried to roll up the beach. Slank was rolling, too, but sideways. His eyes were on a spot in the sand next to the indentation left by the trunk, a glowing spot where the puff of golden powder had fallen, when he'd been banging off the hinges with the rock. He rolled over, and then again, until he was on his stomach, the glowing spot to his right and a little below him on the beach. He carefully positioned his body, then rolled toward the spot onto his back, and there. He immediately felt the pleasant, pleasing warmth surge through him, felt his body starting to become light. But he didn't want to fly. Focusing, concentrating, he had some practice with this. He directed the brief flash of power into his arms. With all his strength, he pulled. He felt the rope give, then suddenly, part. He was free. He sat up and quickly untied the ropes on his feet. Sir, said little Richard, not believing his eyes. How did you do that? Never mind that now, said Slank, scanning the sand until he found his dagger. Turn over so I can cut you loose. We need to stay in sight of that longboat. The mermaids, having had some experience now, knew exactly how to attack the longboat. They struck the side in a perfect unison, very nearly capsizing it and throwing two of Stash's men straight overboard. Stash could not imagine what massive thing had hit them. A whale? In the lagoon? Smee was on his feet shouting, Cap'n! Men overboard! I know, you idiot! shouted Stash. Sit down! Too late. 
Smee had further destabilized the boat, which rocked violently and sent the little round man staggering to the side. He lost his balance and grabbing desperately for something to hold on to, he latched onto the trunk's end handle, pulling the trunk with him as he spilled into the water. No! bellowed Stash, lunging to grab the trunk. But as he touched it, it was swatted away from him, toward shore by a tail? A long green tail. What kind of whale is that? At that instant, the boat was struck again. This time it went over easily, completely upside down. Stash and the rest of the men flew into the water, gasping, sputtering and thrashing their way desperately back to the capsized boat. Stash grabbed it, then lifted his head as far as he could, looking around frantically for the trunk. No! he bellowed as he finally saw it, drifting back towards shore. Slank and little Richard ran along the beach in the direction of the commotion out on the water. The bellowing and shouting of the pirates meant that the mermaids, as Slank had hoped, were attacking the pirates, for once doing Slank a favor. He smiled as he heard Stash's anguished yell that told him that the trunk was in the water again. There it is, shouted little Richard, pointing. Slank saw the trunk bobbing in shallow water, not far from another dar shape, dark and rounded. The dory. If the pirates were right, it would still float. Slank smiled. There might be a way off the island, even without the longboat. Fifty yards out on the moonlit lagoon, he could just make out the low, dark shape of the longboat, with the pirates clinging to it. Stash and his men had the misfortune of getting caught in the current, and were now drifting toward the mouth of the lagoon, their efforts to swim the longboat to shore going poorly. "'Fare thee well, Captain Stash,' Slank called out. "'That's mine!' cried Stash. "'Not any more, it ain't,' laughed Slank. He turned his attention to the trunk just offshore now. Still wary of mermaids, Slank was reluctant to venture into the water. To little Richard he said, "'Pull it up onto dry land. I'll find me another rock.' Molly saw it all from under the palms, saw the pirates in trouble, saw Slank gloating in triumph, saw the trunk. Molly knew this was the moment. Either she was a star catcher or she wasn't. And if she was, this was when she proved it, with or without Peter. I have to go out there, she said. I ain't going out there, muttered Ted, Tubby Ted. I can't let that man have the trunk, said Molly. I have to stop him. How, said James. I don't know, said Molly, looking around, but I have to. She found a coconut on the sand, picked up, hefted it. You're going after pirates with a coconut? said Tubby Ted. You're daft, you are. Nevertheless, said Molly, I'm going. So am I, said James, picking up a coconut of his own. So am I, miss, said Alf. I'll take that big one there. If he gets deep enough in the water, you may get some help from Am, said Molly. James and I will take Mr. Slank. The three of them started down the beach. Daft, said Tubby Ted. Hurry, Slank yelled to little Richard, who's, who, still worried about mermaids, was wading cautiously toward the bobbing trunk. Just as he reached it, Am hit him. No man had ever knocked little Richard down, but of course Am was not a man. Am was a sleek, hurtling missile, 567 and one-half pounds of ocean-hardened muscle, hurtling through the air and nailing the giant square in the chest with a force that would have killed some men. 
In Little Richard's case, it was enough to knock the breath from his body and send him flailing backward into the shallow water. He got back to his feet, only to feel another massive weight on him. This time it was Alf who locked his thick arms around the giant's throat, hanging, hanging on for dear life as Little Richard, weakened and breath-starved, staggered toward, forward and went down again. Slank heard the struggle and strode toward the water. He was expecting mermaids and thus didn't see the two small shapes racing up from behind and leaping onto his back. He felt the impact, then something pulling at his ears, nearly tearing them off, and scratching at his eyes, while at the same time something else was sinking its teeth into his legs. How many are there? Slank screamed and jabbed back with his elbows, sending his assailants flying. He whirled and saw... Children? Two of them, the girl from the ship and a small boy. Slank almost laughed. Children. But then he stumbled as the girl, she's very quick, hooked her leg around his. He fell face down and instantly something hard struck his head, again and again. He went dizzy but managed to writhe sideways to see. Coconuts. Children are beating me senseless with coconuts. Blood streaming down his face, Slank lunged to his feet, flailing his arms as he staggered toward the lagoon, the children still clinging to his back and bashing him with coconuts. As blackness closed in, Slank groped, groped desperately for the knife in his belt. I'm going to stop there for today. This is a very long chapter. We're still not really close to the end of it. So we'll stop there and continue reading next time.